The Lord is good. I, I tell you, we've been talking on the seven words of the cross. Uh, the first week we talked about forgiveness. Amen. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we need to get a hold of that as Christians because I believe the Lord put on my heart today. Some of you were praying and really upset about some sin in your life that Christ has forgiven you for. And we need to give that over to him and ask him to restore us to him. The second thing we talked about was salvation. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And we talked about how those two made up the relationship. And that how that we have that relationship with Christ. And we'll get into that a little bit because the Lord's kind of put another thought on my heart before I walked in the pulpit. So I don't know how far that'll go, but, but I want to explore that a little bit. But then we talked about abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But, but how Christ took on the sins of the world and that, how he experienced that, that experience that we will never have to have as believers. And I don't think we get a hold of that. That Christ experienced what we should experience as believers. But since we've accepted Christ, Christ has paid that price. We don't have to, to, to carry the distress and for sure, when Christ returns and we live eternal, we won't deal with the distress. We're not going to deal with the hell. We're not going to deal with the, the, the evil things because Christ paid the price. Uh, today, what I wanted to do was to go ahead and, and move into triumph and, and into uh, to, uh, uh, reunion. I think I skipped abandonment, but that's okay. But I want to move into triumph and, and reunion today and kind of bring them together. The main reason I want to do that is next week, uh, I want to talk about victory and he is risen. Now, triumph, I'll get into that a little bit later. Actually, we should just do that. We'll just divide, uh, uh, before I read the scriptures on them, we'll just give you some definitions. But triumph means great victory. Victory is an act of defeating the enemy. Reunion is two people coming together after a period of separation. And commitment means the state or quality of being uh, dedicated to a cause, activity, etc. And, and these are the things that are in the scripture, the words that are in the scriptures today that I want us to get a hold of. So on triumph, when Jesus walked into uh, Palm Sunday, he was experienced that triumph. You know, when he came into Jerusalem, he's experiencing the, the praises of the people. And again, that Friday, they'd be yelling, some of them yelling, crucify him. But when, whenever he died, though, he experienced that total triumph. And that triumph means he won victory over that specific thing. And we need to realize that today that Christ has triumphed and gave us the victory over all things. So when Jesus had re received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And finished here means entirely done. Jesus took care of it and he experienced that triumph of God. And then reunion, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And again, Commit means to carry out, to complete, to finish. Jesus completed his calling, his destination. 
When he did this, when he completed his calling, he was reunited with God in triumph. Psalms 31, 5 prophesied this, Into your hands I commit my spirits. Spirit, you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. And we need to realize that as believers that Jesus has paid that total price for us. Jesus has made it possible that, that we are his, but, he's not, but we're not only his, he is ours. And we need to realize that today. But the key to experiencing the fullness of God is committing our spirits to the Lord. And, and that's what I want to really focus on here for a little bit. And really today, and part of the reason I wanted to merge these together, because for us even as believers, to, to, to feel the totality of God, we've got to be committed. We've got to commit our spirits totally to him. You know, at salvation, we, we commit our spirits to him and we say, God, here we are. But we need to walk in that total commitment every day because if you're like me, it's easy to stray away from that. It's easy to kind of pull back. And we need to stay committed to the course. That's what this class was talking about a little bit today is that, you know, what, what's your plans for tomorrow in the kingdom of God? What's your, your plans for being in your relationship with Jesus? How are we growing in that commitment? But as we look at that today, I want us to turn to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Because again, Jesus is the best, the most perfect example of somebody that was committed. And, and this scripture is really just jumping out at me. And I don't know if we'll even get past it today. But it's really jumping out. And, and somebody, can I get some fans running? We need to get some air moving in here. I don't say turn the heat up or down, just get some air moving. But Philippians 2, 5 through 11, I want to read with you today. And this just jumps out at me today. I'll be reading out of the ESV. But again, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's what we've been talking about. You have the mind of Christ, it's yours. And we can move out into that. Verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself out by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Another one I want to read to you today is out of John 8, 28 and 29. And again, we're talking about on Christ being that committed person, that perfect example of commitment. I just read to you about Christ. And we'll break that down in Philippians here in a second. But in John 8, 28, Jesus said to them with his own words, when you lifted me up, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, on the cross, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, 
but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And so we see that commitment with Jesus. We see a, an unbelievable commitment here. You know, one that hit me right off the bat that verse 6, he was God. You know, I, I, I'm trying my best to, to make heaven, and, and I want to make heaven, and that's my goal. He had it. He was God. Verse 6 says he was equal with God. When you go back in the beginning when, when God created the heavens and the earth, he was with God in the beginning. We see that in John 1, 1. He was with God in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And verse 14 talks about how he came down into human form, which in Philippians chapter 2, 8, said that, hey, he was so committed to God and what God wanted in his life, to the vision, if you will, to the mission statement, if you will, he was so committed to that that he gave up his position as God, the, the Father's Son, and he came to this earth in human form. How many of you would do that? Man, if I got to heaven, I'm not sure I'd come back for you guys. No offense intended. But he gave up the ultimate thing. Because first off, he saw God's vision, his mission, he bought into it, and he was committed to it. He emptied himself out, verse 7 says, meaning he gave it all up. He emptied himself out, literally. He gave everything, his life, he gave everything. Verse 8 said, humbled himself by becoming obedient. And I think that's where a lot of us, or at least I fall short, is I'm not always obedient. I know that when God's word says it and I do it, it'll work out. But, but sometimes I try to handle it myself. Jesus was committed and obedient. When he was in the garden and he was praying, Lord, uh, not my will, but your will, he was struggling with that. You know, Jesus is like, God, are you sure you wanted it this way? And he knew that was God's way. He said, well, then not my will, but yours, Lord. And a lot of times we get to that point that, that we got a situation in our life and, and God says, do it this way, but we're not sure about it. And, and we'll be disobedient. And we'll miss an opportunity for God to move upon our life. But Christ stayed committed. He was without sin he was without disobedience. Did we ever realize that today? Jesus was without disobedience. He was always obedient to the word of God. He was always emptied out to God. There's times that we say, well, you know, God, I'll give you Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but, but Tuesdays, Saturdays, and these days are mine. Jesus was totally emptied out to the vision. You know, I keep thinking about it, and, and, and anyway, um, 
When I was at Freeman, they put me on a, I keep thinking of this, but they put me on a team and, and we were to make a mission statement. We got a new president there and, and this team, why they wanted a, a facilities manager or, a, or a, 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 the engineering guys to come into this meeting, I don't know. But I was in with all the media people, all the different departments of Freeman, and our goal was to design a mission statement. The new president said that this place is like a ball bearing factory. We, we got to come in here excited and, 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 and encouraged by the mission that we had. Never tell you, I had a great wife. This is my favorite wife here, too. And, and she's my only one, too. But, but they brought me into that, and, and he wanted us to be joyful and excited about who we were. And anyway, uh, we worked at it, but we come up with a statement I think they're still doing today, but if you drive the buses, it's on the keychains, but it says, smile and, and greet within 10 feet. And so that was the mission. And, and they said, we're going to see that everybody in the hospital is doing that. In other words, the president approved the mission, smile and greet within 10 feet. And this took months of preparing and all that, and that's what we come up with. And we made banners, we made all these things, plastered the mission statement all over the hospital. And now he said, we're going to see that the employees are doing that. And they empowered us to where I could walk through the hall and if you didn't smile or greet me within 10 feet, or I saw you not do that to a customer or anybody, I could warn you, the second step is I could do disciplinary action. And I'll never forget that because it kind of, it seemed like everybody else kind of disappeared when it got to that part. And I was this assistant safety officer, so you're walking around the hospital all the time, you can enforce that. And so I got to enforce that going throughout the hospital. And it was funny, the first few weeks, it was, nobody did it. And I wasn't mean about it. I'd just say, hey, guys, smile and greet within 10 feet. And I'd kind of just remind them of that. And I never, ever wrote anybody up or anything like that. But, but they empowered us to get tough about it. But I could never forget that this stupid little slogan over a period of about six months took effect and man it changed and swept the hospital and and i think we became one of the most uh, uh joyful excited hospitals of that time and and but but my point is is that jesus saw the vision and he emptied himself out to it and here i was in a half committed mission statement that oh, it's pretty cool but I don't know I don't want to make a big deal out of it and half-heartedly I just pressed into that and saw it change a, a, a work community of two or three thousand people and so Jesus was perfect in that he came in with God's mission God's vision to go into the world go save disciples send our mission statement and he lived it and he emptied himself out to God. He humbled himself. He spoke only what God talked and told him to say, John 8, 28 says. 
And he always strived to do what was pleasing to God. And because of that, he was highly exalted. So highly exalted that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess a good and evil that he is Lord at one day. But we see the power in Jesus' commitment to the Lord. Like Jesus, the believer, we should have the mind of Christ. And we should commit our spirits totally to God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example so that you might follow in his steps. So what that's telling me is that Christ wants you to empty yourself out. He wants you to humble yourself and become obedient. He wants you to speak the things that God the Father speaks and the Son speaks and the Holy Spirit speaks. He wants us to always be pleasing to God. And when we do that, we will be highly exalted, not that people will worship us, I don't mean that, that we will be blessed. God will move on us. When the word said in Matthew or Mark 16, 15, to go into the world, if you look at the end of that, he said these signs will accompany you. But at the very end, he said, I will follow you with signs and wonders. So when we empty ourselves out to God, he's going to move across our lives. There's nothing that you're going through in this room today that God doesn't want to make 100% perfect. He wants to be totally in your life, and he wants to be totally all about you. Another scripture is 1 John 2, 6, whoever says, He abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. But again, as I was praying before service today, verse 1 kept jumping out at me. Have the mind of Christ, which is yours. Then the praise team saying that, that I am yours, but Lord, you're mine. I think we need to get a hold of that as believers. I think we need to realize, and I've said this almost every week, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, Christ has given us, it's in our spirit, the love, the joy, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control that we need for life. And what I'm saying to you is, is when things are out of control, You can say, Father, things are out of control in my life. Would you intervene? Because, Father, you put self-control in my life. That's what Galatians says, Lord. And then you thank him for bringing control to your situation. In saying that, I think of my little brother when the tornado sirens were going off in Lamar. And, and I can remember as kids when the tornado sirens would go off, that, that when we would pray and give God control, that it would bring peace. 
and we would thank him for that peace. But having the mind of Christ, which is yours, we can walk in Christ. We can walk in the same steps that Christ walked in. It's how committed that we are to God's vision. How committed are we to God's plan? Because like Christ, we have been given the tools to accomplish that. He has given us the gifts of the Spirit, or the, or the, the gifts of the Spirit of wisdom. And to be honest with you, I got that in my notes today, and we're not even going to get there. We're not even close. You have to come to Carthage tonight, and maybe we'll get there. But man, we need wisdom and that's what I see across this nation is this, this nation is running around with their, like chickens with their heads cut off. Have you ever cut a chicken's head off? <laughs> I probably shouldn't tell this story. And Jared, if you're watching, I'm sorry. But I had a buddy and I worked at Freeman and I had, I think, five roosters I was trying to get rid of. And, and anyway, my wife's going, shh, don't tell that story. Uh, we need to listen to our wives, but I'm going to move forward anyway. But... but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he came and picked up these chickens, and he didn't know anything about them. And I said, yeah, you just cut their heads off, and, and then you can. I told him how to do everything, but I didn't tell him to you know, hold them down. And he took them home. He lived in Carl Junction. And, of course, he went chop and just threw the chicken down and took off running. <laughs> and his kids were watching, and I heard about it. But, but, uh, but that seems like that's the way this nation is. If Satan throws something at us and we're like a chicken with our head cut off. And we need wisdom. And man, when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, I believe that you can operate in wisdom, but when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you for sure can. The wisdom of Christ. The knowledge that 1 Corinthians 12 tells us about, we can walk in. When we're like that centurion or that believer that said that, 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 yes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe we have the gift, the spiritual gift of faith at our, at, our, at our beck and call if we want it. I believe there's healing in our hands. And it's not because of me, it's because of Christ. When we're committed to the vision, we're committed to Christ. We have the mind of Christ and what is his is ours. He's given us the tools to have faith when we don't have faith. To walk in healing when we're not feeling the healing. The working of miracles. We can have prophecy and hear a word from the Lord. And, and guys, I think the Lord's speaking all the time. I think what happens is, is he gives us a prophecy and then we write a book of what we think that prophecy meant. When the prophecy gave us for the vision of Oakton is go north, south, east, and west. Go save disciples' sin. That's all he said to me. We fill in the blanks. I don't think we could comprehend all that God wanted and had for us to do if we gave it one time. The Lord's putting something on my heart right now to, to, to do as a ministry. And, and, and anyway, I've been praying about people that can step into this ministry but the Lord's told me, don't share them the whole shoot and shebang or you'll scare them off. Just tell them a little bit. But God has got things for each and every one of us. He's got a calling 
for all of you. And I believe he's given you prophecies, knowledge, wisdom to walk in that and to see those things. He's gave us discernment to where we can understand that, you know, my wife came to me yesterday with a new movie that's out that's supposed to be Christian. And, and, and I've been praying for discernment on it because I'm not comfortable where it's at. There's kind of a, a comedy type thing, but, but part of me says they're making fun of the church. And, that, and the society's already good about that now. We don't need any help. But, but the other side, you know, I'm praying for discernment because I know many people in the church are going to ask me what I think about that. Well, I always say, when in doubt, throw it out, okay? But, but the Lord gives us discernment. He gives us tongues and interpretations of tongues. And, and it really bugs me because I've seen these gifts divide churches and divide people when it's things that Christ gave us and we fight over these things. Oh, that, that doesn't exist no more. That doesn't exist or that doesn't. Well, if tongues and interpretation doesn't exist, neither does any of the fruits of the, of the Spirit or the other gifts of the Spirit. We are obedient to God's mission, to God's Word, and we don't pick and choose what that will be. So we saw, talked about Christ and and, and, and all these things, and then I just chased the rabbit here on how we need to be committed. But, but Paul, he had the mind of Christ, and he realized what was Christ was his. And the apostle Paul was totally sold out to the Lord. And what burnt this on my heart was I was sitting in a youth group with Joe Wednesday night, and he was preaching. And when he was talking about Paul being in pre- prison, and again, that when the Spirit speaks to you, it wasn't a book, but it just went in my mind. Why was he in prison? And all of us are going to say for preaching the gospel. That's a given. But in the particular scripture Joel was talking about, and the one that was in mind, he was talking about the Philippians. And in that particular time, he was there for, again, preaching the gospel. Is why he's arrested. But he was also there because he brought a Gentile into the temple, an unclean. So he was preaching the gospel, but he was saving people and bringing them into the building. He was bringing in people that nobody wanted. The Jews did not want the Gentiles in the temple. That's why he was in trouble. Part of the reason. And what tickled me, if you go study that chapter out, they'll let you say, they thought he brought this particular Gentile into the temple. They didn't even know for sure. But they knew that he was ministering to those worthless Gentiles. Now, when I say that, if you're not a Jew in here, you're one of those. I am. But Christ made me valuable on that cross. And Paul had the, the vision of God. He had the mindset of Christ that, that he didn't worry about what the Jews thought. He didn't worry about what the world thought. He was committed to that vision. And he said, Lord, what's mine or yours? Give me the tools to complete that vision. And so Paul did that, and he was thrown into prison. I believe that was probably after his third missionary journey. But then I began to think about it, you know, Paul was thrown in prison during his second, second missionary journey. 
He was thrown in prison because he got tired of a pesty demon that kept bothering him through a slave girl. He got tired of it. He turned around and cast the demon out. He was thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, but the underlying factor and the real reason was because he hurt somebody's pocketbook. How many times do we run away from the Lord or turn our backs on God because he's bothering our pocketbook? That was the real reason he was put in prison. And we all know the story in chapter 16, but, but Paul didn't go in there and mope around. He said, Lord, what's yours is mine, and I'm yours and yours mine. And he leans over to Silas and he said, hey, buddy, let's worship the Lord. And they began to sing and praise God. How many of you could have done that after you took a beating with rods? I didn't plan on getting into this today, but I don't know if that's the time he took 39 lashes. But I know he did it five times, took 39 lashes. That shows me he's committed to God's calling on his life. I think if you beat me once 39 times, It'd make me second guess whether I say it again. But how many of us have believers, though, that, that when we get our toes stepped on or, or somebody says, you know, Kent, you're stupid by, that, that mission's stupid going north, south, east, and west. I, I can't believe you got Golden City. I can't believe you got Carthage. How many times do when we let people tear us down to the point that, that we back away from what God's called us to do? That wasn't even 39 lashings. That was just a tongue lashing. Or maybe some of you today that your parents said you're a blooming idiot that you even go to church. You don't have to go to church. That tongue lashing keeps people from going to church. Guys, Satan's trying to steal our church. That's why he puts every activity in the world on Sunday now. And, and if we don't participate in them activities, our kids are missing out. We take a tongue lashing from our kids. We take a tongue lashing from the coach. We take a tongue lashing from everybody else. And then we, we back away from what God's called us to do. And that's the fellowship on Sundays. I can go on and on. But Paul had the mind of Christ. And, and he stayed on the commitment he stayed on the path. He stayed where God called him to go. And again, began to praise God. And again, he prayed about his circumstances. He began to praise God. And what happened? There was an earthquake. And again, I'm on Acts chapter 16. And again, I wasn't planning on saying this. I had to go check me out and read it up for yourself. But they had an earthquake. The place was shaken. The chains were broken. Do you get that? How many of us need some chains broken in our life? Stay committed and obedient to the Lord. The chains were broken and, and, and the guards were saved and his whole family. As I got to looking into it, do you realize Paul spent five and a half to six years in prison and he didn't let that circumstance see so many times that when our plans don't go the way that we think they should 
begin to grumble and complain. God, I'm in prison. Why did you ever put me in prison? Well, if you think about it, there's guards assigned to Paul. They had shifts. Just think how many people he got to minister to for hours that couldn't leave. Think about that. He got to talk to the highest of the highest people in the Roman world. Do you ever think maybe that God's plan was bigger than Paul's? Paul's may have been, I want to build the biggest church in Ephesus and have 20,000 people there, 100,000 people, 200,000. When God took him into there, God's plan would affect more people. We're talking about Paul today. Did you ever think about that? So if you stay committed and obedient, humbled, and emptied out for God, you're going to be okay. And you need to, again, in all circumstances, praise his name. Did you guys realize he was martyred in approximately June of 88 or 68? Gary, did we see that place when we was in Rome or over there? I don't remember. It seems like I don't know. Who knows? While in prison, Paul wrote Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. And they're called the prison's epistles. Just think of the things that were. You guys realize when anytime you, you, this world, anxiety. So I'm doing a lot of studying on anxiety and things going on in this world. Every teaching, almost all of them, 100%, I'd say 99.9, go to Philippians on anxieties and fears. And Paul wrote it in prison where he should have been scared and full of anxiety and fear and death. But Christ was his and he was Christ. He had the mind of Christ and what's Christ was his. And he tried to operate in that. I was going to read to you, uh, I should have just had you guys put them up there, but I was going to read to you the, all the stuff Paul went through, and you can flip that scripture up there, Second Corinthians 11, if you guys want to look at it. But, but that's the things that Paul went through and, and the things that happened. And while you're doing that, I'm going to catch my bearings here. I'm going to challenge you to come out tonight because uh, I was going to talk about five things that, that we're totally committed to, will change our lives, and there's more. I mean, actually, I'm, it's probably 15, 20, 30, but I had some things here that, that if you're questioning whether you're totally sold out to the Lord, that you could do five examples of them. But the first one, I'm just going to go through them, and I'm, I'm going to break down one of them because I think I, we're hitting all over it today. And we are really all of them. But do you pray regularly? And that's based on 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Two, do you love to study God's Word? And, and I, I know there's times that, I'll be honest with you guys, I go through a valley where, man, I've read it a hundred times, so I'll go read another version. 
and, and it'll kind of bring it to life a little bit, or you see another version of it, because when you quote everything King James or New King James, uh, you already know what's coming. So that's why I like the TPT and the, and the NIRV, which is a children's Bible. I'll read them, but now if there's something that I'm not sure about, I'll go make sure it lines up perfectly with what the Lord's wanting to say. But, but anyway, do you look forward to worship each Sunday and, and seeing each other? That's the one that I want to close with today. Uh, while we're thinking about that, the, the four um, is... Uh, Are you actively involved in the Lord's work and ministry of telling others about Jesus Christ? And five, are you obedient to God's will? And we talked kind of all around these, but I was going to really hit on all of them specifically. But I want to hit on number three, then we'll stop today. But, but the reason I do this is because I believe what God has showed us uh, across this church, and a good example of that, that the Lord told me a long time ago, uh, if, if you cannot be jealous of other people, I'll, I'll just explode different ministries in the church. And he even showed me a person that if they did a certain thing, would, would just grow out of this world. And to be honest with you, I couldn't get them to do it. And, and anyway, I believe God's put visions and dreams on, on us in this fellowship that you're waiting on me to do or Jim or somebody else when God's called you to do it and it's going to explode when you do. But, but we got to love God's vision of fellowship and mission and together as a church. And if you're a visitor today, look at and think about your home church. But, but in Acts 27, on the first day of the week, we meet to break bread or we met to, make, to break bread and eat together. Paul spoke to the people. He kept on talking until midnight because he planned to leave the next day. You know, that's how tight that church was there, that they met and he talked till midnight and it didn't affect the body. And, and because they loved the worship, they loved seeing each other, they loved the presence of God, they loved the prayer. Uh, and now a lot of you might be thinking, well, you're not Paul and I'm not as excited about you as I would be if Paul was in here. But if church is not exciting, maybe it's you that's lost your excitement because God's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. We need to be committed to the fellowship that God's called us to, to the Oakton body if you're called here, regardless of the circumstances. You know, when Paul had said all these things that he had been saying and it, it, that we've previously read, again, in Philippians 4, he said that the reason he was the way he was, in other words, humble before God, trusted God, and, and totally laid out for God, committed to God's vision, and willing to do whatever and wherever God took him to keep God centered, he said, I have learned to be content no matter what happens to me. I know what it's like not to have what I need, I also know what it's like to have more than I need. I have learned the secret of being content no matter what happens. I am content whether I am well-fed or hungry. I am content whether I have more than enough or not enough. I can do all this by the power of Christ. He gives me strength. And I read that out of the children's NIRV. 
because I think it says it so well. But if you look into there and just add committed in there, I know the secret of being committed. I know the secret, uh, I know what happens when I am committed. And we need to stay committed to what God's called us to do across this body. He figured out how to be content in, in prison and in beatings. He felt and found out how to be content no matter what God had called him to do. Every week, and I don't mean this today to, to be ornery or mean to everybody, but, but I'll, I'll walk out this door today and some will walk up and say, Pastor, this is the best sermon you ever preached in your life. And, and others will say, Pastor, uh, you need to work on it a little bit today. And I'm not, I'm not wanting sympathy today at all. I'm just giving you some examples. I'll walk out of here today and some will say the perfect temperature today, Pastor. While others will say I was froze and I was hot. Some will walk up and say I love the, the praise you're doing, Pastors, while others wished it was different. Some will walk up and say, man, Sunday school was awesome. Adventure Kids was awesome. Youth group is awesome. But others will come up with a different opinion. And, and a lot of times we'll wear that and, and we'll try to please everybody. But, but what the Lord is telling me that, that we got to be, as a pastor, I got to learn to be committed and content to the things that God's called me to do. But also we as a body got to be content and committed to what God's called us to do here at Oakton when it's good, when it's bad, when we're not sure. And, and now if it gets to the point we're up here preaching false doctrine and stuff like that, that's a different story. But we can't allow Satan to steal what God's called us to do. And I see that so many times where people are called to do something and, and, and all they get is a tongue lashing, whether it be, oh, it's a silly idea or this or that, and we just stop. Or you're not doing it this way or that way or whatever. And we need to be learning to be committed in all that Christ has called us to be. God hadn't lost his ability to move on you under any circumstances. So even if I'm preaching a cruddy sermon and you guys aren't getting anything out of it, if, if you would press into God, he would touch your heart. And I, I read a devotion this week about Balaam and his donkey. And the donkey saw the spirit of the Lord and kept laying down on, on Balaam. And Balaam beat the donkey. He did all them things. I'm not getting nothing out of you. And the donkey was seeing in the spiritual world. And then it was talked to him. And he talked to the donkey. You guys all know the story. And God can use a donkey and touch somebody's heart. Okay? In other words, it's where you at. Where are you at is whether you receive or not. Whether you're willing to receive or not receive. And no matter your circumstance... Uh, man, if you think it's tough, you ought to go work in the prisons to do ministry. I did ministry in the prison for two years, and man, it shaped me for everything. And I tell you what, it's a rough go. And so we stay the course, we stay committed to what God's called us to do. trying to decide how far to go with this, but, but so many times if we don't agree something, we leave or don't participate. Um, 
If our children's or youth isn't where it needs to be, we allow our kids to do something else or go somewhere else. And I think that's a mistake because we're teaching them not to be committed to what God's called us to do. And so when times aren't as good, when things aren't the way we like them, we need to be pressing in even more. And I think when we do that, we'll experience God even more because we, again, are staying committed. Christ didn't want to go to the cross. You know, not my will, but your will, Lord. He finally committed to that vision. And I shouldn't have said he didn't want to because he did. But he struggled with thoughts of it at times. The example the Lord gave me as I was walking out, I hate it when he uses me as that example. But the Lord gave me this kind of what I've been going over, that, that we pull back from commitment when we don't like the way things are going or whatever. Um, the Lord gave me this Thursday, and I was going out, and it made me late for a meeting writing it down. And I was running behind, and my wife, she cooked me a breakfast. She was so awesome. And I already told you how awesome she was today. But anyway, I opened up the garage door, and in the back of my truck is all the trash of the house. I went from being happy with my wife to being angry with my wife immediately because I was late for a meeting, or not late, but would be late, but now I've got all this garbage in the back of my truck, which is nice of her to load it up. But you see how my circumstance changed? I went from loving her, oh, she made me breakfast, oh, she's so awesome, to there's trash in the truck that's leaking everywhere, and we get the doing on that. Well, I didn't blow up and eat her lunch. I still loved her, and I pressed through, and I made my meeting on time. And so a lot of times, the way we feel is circumstances we're going through, and, and we need to look at our own self. And my wife didn't do nothing wrong that day. She just tried to love me. But I had a circumstance that tried to get me not to love her. Does that make sense? I don't feel like I'm getting my point across today. But again, you guys are committed. We're seeing that across the body today. Uh, man, our house is full today. Uh, man, I'm excited about Easter Sunday. We're going to have sunrise at 730 we're going to have pastries from 8.15 to 9, Sunday school at 9, and at 10, uh, I'm wanting to do a baptism. If you're, if you're interested in being, well, it's not whether you're interested. If you want to be obedient to baptism, if you've been saved, then you need to do that. But I'd like to do a pap- baptism next week. Contact the office if you're interested. And then we're going to do it for the first time. We're going to follow up at Carthage with Easter communion at 6. And we're going to have a communion service at Carthage, and I'd love for you to join us. Tim Snyder is going to be here April the 7th. Tim's excited about coming. Tim's got a move of God going on in his church right now, and I'm excited to hear what he's got to say. April 11th through the 13th, we got the BMG conference coming in, and they're going to be here Sunday morning. They're going to be here Sunday night at Carthage. Say that after me, Sunday night at Carthage. I want you to get that, and then we'll be back here Monday night and Tuesday night, and, and it'll be a, it's going to be a great, great conference. April 16th and 17th, we are hosting one of the stronger men's conferences for 2021, and we just found that out last week, and we don't know where that's going, but we've, I think, purchased up to 60 tickets, 
and we'll be doing the Stronger Men's Conference here. Uh, Pastor Joe's overseeing that if you got any information or, or want to know more about that. On April 18th, there's a youth pizza party and then Toby Mack concert uh, that our youth group, and we've bought several tickets for our youth for that. June 1st is one camp out. June 2nd is Parker Garfield speaking. And then June 8th and 9th is Stockton camp out. And what I'm, the reason I did that today is God has given us opportunities to fellowship even more and to press in even more. And I hope today that you didn't look at that and say, oh my gosh, look at all we got to do. But look at it and say, oh my goodness, Lord, look how I can hear you in these different areas. And so again, we need to press in to these things. And, and as I said earlier, I believe God's called people, you know, I'm not going to have to do anything with a strong conference, but show up uh, because somebody's handling that. Uh, yesterday, I was so blessed. We dispersed diapers yesterday. Uh, one of our own, Brittany, I don't know, I'm looking around here. I think she may be in children's church, but, but Brittany put that together. She came to me and said, Pastor, I've got a vision about giving diapers away in the community. And so we matched with the diapers. We brought wet ones or wet wipes. And, and this group, this church came in and, and we gave diapers away yesterday. And you say, well, that, that's not a very neat ministry. You know what moved me is we, not we, they prayed for 30, well, they said 40 families. Uh, I've never prayed for 40 people, I think, on Sunday mornings at any one, one Sunday. And they laid hands on and prayed for 40 people yesterday. Yeah, give the Lord praise. The lady that runs this came up to me and said, quote, your women know how to pray. And I heard that four times before I even got home through a text message. And then Pastor Jim walks in the mor this morning and said the same thing, that our women know how to pray. And, and that's my point, guys. When we are committed to, again, I don't want to just focus on to the fellowship. It's committed to God first. But when we're committed to what God's called us to do, we're going to change hearts. And I'm just talking about being connected, committed to the fellowship. But as the praise team comes up, let's go back to the top and, and be committed to Christ. And be committed to who he is in all things. Because the devil, he's trying to tongue lash you out of doing and living for Christ. You have the mind of Christ. And it's yours. Let's stand to our feet today. And I want you to say that. I have the mind of Christ. Could you say that? I have the mind of Christ. And it's mine. So I have the mind of Christ. And it's mine. And we need to realize that. And press into that. And I know I've thrown a lot of, you know, the first thing that come to my mind is, Lord, there's not enough time to tell them everything. I, I got into absolutely hardly any of my notes today. There is so much that God wants to speak to us that Sunday mornings isn't cutting it. We need more than that. That's why I challenge you to go to Carthage on Sunday nights. That's why I challenge you to come to Wednesday nights to ban our young adult Bible study. That's another miracle in itself. 
But get involved somewhere. There's something for everybody. But do you have the mind of Christ today? Are you committed? That's where I really want us to look today. Are we committed to Christ? Are we committed to the Lord with our whole being? And I tell you guys, if you're going through a difficult time and you're up here saying, I want to hear everything but what you're saying. Well, if you're committed to Christ, it will change whatever you're going through. If you're committed to him and give your life totally to him and give in to his mission for your life, regardless of what you go through, you may do this today and you may say tomorrow, it, it's just nothing like you thought and it, you thought this is horrible. I'll say, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do here? I was kind of complaining yesterday and I don't mean this. I hate talking too much. I don't want people to think I'm belly aching, but, but we've had something every day in the middle of the day and I, I need to get some stuff done around the house. And, and, but my heart is in the ministry. And so I run into the girls deal in there and man, it was awesome and had a great time. The wife goes, honey, you, you want to go eat? And I'm like, no, I need to go bow. I've got to get the church mode. I've got to get this done. I got to bow. And, and she goes, let's go eat. And, and I gave in to my wife because I'm committed to her. And, and I went in there and there was five people that used to be in our youth group that are grown men right now that I got a chance to see and talk to some of them. Give the Lord praise. Yes. I don't know who my cheering section is, but I like it. The Spanish, I love them, man. Spanish are talking and yelling all the time, and I even like that more. But because God is moving our lives, but we need to be committed to Him. And when we are, guys, I got the lawn. I got everything. If you know the truth, I got everything done I wanted to do, and I wasn't even planted on it. And I cleaned the fence row from the north corner between Amy and I halfway down, and wasn't even didn't even have it on my list. Didn't even have it on my list. And it went good. And that's what I'm saying. We need to just press into God. And it's back to that same old theme. Same old idea. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else is going to work out. And that's all it is. And I've showed you examples of Christ doing that. He pressed into God. And he changed the world gave us hope. Paul pressed into Christ and man, none of us go through what Paul's been through. You know, I skipped the point on that, but I could go on and on about that. I thought the Lord put on my heart. We'll be there tonight. But today, are you saved? First off, are you saved? And man, if you're not saved, you're missing out on everything I'm talking about today. We need to do that. But is anybody here today want to accept Christ your Lord? I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. You need to be bold about it. Raise that hand up if you want to receive Christ as your Lord today. Had a lot of salvations lately, and I, I want more. Now back to us. Are we committed to Christ? And that's what I want the Lord to work on you. So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I'm, I'm given an open-ended altar call, Lord, because I know you're already dealing with people. 
And Father, I just ask that you continue to deal with them, Lord, and that they'll come to these altars today and lay at these altars the lashings that they've been getting from Satan, those tongue lashings that maybe they're getting from parents or families or friends, that they just lay them here at these altars. Father, there's many that are battling with commitment to you and they're, they're juggling. Father, I just ask that you move across this body today. And every time I pray that, the Lord speaks to me, Ken, I am moving. Some are going to come out, go out of this service today and they're going to say, God touched my life. And others are going to go out of here and say, and I didn't even feel God today because of right now. You're either going to choose to let him move on you or you're not. If you want God to move on you and you need him to move on you in a situation, then come to these altars and let him do that.